of the Learning and Development podcast. I'm David James from Loop, and each episode I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. In this episode, I'm speaking with Suk Pabial, who've conducted some interesting research about the impact of COVID-19 on L&D. But before we get into it, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice, which will help others to find us. And thank you if you've done so already. Now let's get into it. Suk, welcome back to the Learning and Development Podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, Now, you've recently undertaken some research to understand the impact of COVID-19 and its subsequent restrictions on L&D. What did this research uncover? Yeah, it was was a really interesting piece to to have a look at. So just to give an overview as to kind of um, the sample size and what we were working with, Mm. had about 155 people respond to the survey. Um, majority of that were in-house professionals, so about 73%. And we had a really good geographical spread. So there was at least 24 countries, mainly from the UK, mainly from the US that responded, um, but lots of other countries like Australia, New Zealand, France, India. Um, So we had some really interesting response from right across the piece. Um, so some of the main things that kind of picked up out of that were, or rather the questions were focused around how did your um, delivery methods change? What did you have to do differently as a result of the impact of COVID-19? Mm. And unsurprisingly, 85% of um, organizations moved their learning offerings to a virtual format. Mm. It's kind of, it's, I'm a bit surprised it's not higher than that. I would have expected everyone to have just made that shift. Mm. So there's there's a question there about what happened to the other 15% that didn't make that shift to virtual. Mm. Um, and I, I reckon you and I will get into that in a bit. Um, so I, I guess that's kind of what the, the overall finding, right, is 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 that it's that 85% shift to, to virtual. Mm. Yeah, and, uh, and and as you say, there, there could be many reasons and uh, whether that be uh, some vendors just weren't set up that, uh, that you know, so re- vendors may have responded and said, you know, we're not set up actually for a, uh, a virtual offering because, you know, what, what we offer is far more interactive or, or, or the like, or, you know, it could be other areas that, uh, that were perhaps L&D was, uh, was pulled because they didn't have the technology infrastructure. Uh, I mean, you know, with, uh, with furlough, um, yeah. there were plenty of organisations where, um, where the whole operations put on hold, so uh, so maybe the the investment wasn't um, uh, wasn't there to be had. I don't know what uh, what 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 your thoughts on whether there was. Yeah, I think that's a, uh, I think that's really interesting. There's a couple. Of, I think I think you're right. You know the the impact of furlough is probably not to be you know uh, laughed at. It um, clearly people um, weren't able to access learning in the normal way. They could still access learning because they were still allowed to do that on the furlough scheme. But um, but if your main delivery, if your main, um, yeah, if the main way you're delivering is in person mm. and you can't, you haven't made that shift to virtual, that's left a huge population who just can't access ongoing skills development or you know, professional development in some way because they, they um, the suppliers of vendors in the market haven't been able to do that. And I think you're right about the infrastructure piece. Yeah, if again, the, the main focus was on, we do things in person and we don't do things digitally or virtually. It's a big shift. It's a, it's a huge shift then to be able to understand, well, how do I take that change? I think also 
um, partly, um, I, I, I reckon within the first few months of, uh, of the pandemic hit from, uh, or certainly in the UK, from March through to probably May, there was probably some skepticism about how long this would last for. Mm. I don't, I think many people kind of thought, oh, by August we'll be okay. Yeah. It kind of was, but we weren't returning back to normal either. So I think there's a couple of those. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good one to just kind of try and unpack a bit. And of course, the research wouldn't have shown um, one uniform approach, uh, perhaps more of a scale um, yeah. you know, a uniform approach, as you just uh, you just described, was going to be everybody marching towards uh, towards digital. And then, you know, you, we've already discussed that uh, that, uh, that the 15 percent who, who said they weren't perhaps either holding out for things to uh, to return yeah. to normal uh, or, or or don't didn't have the infrastructure or the capability to uh, to do so. But but of course, there's going to be a, 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 some kind of scale. Um, what what? What did that scale look like in the responses that uh, that you listed? Yeah, I think it was really interesting. So we um, asked questions more around what was, um, how did you have to adapt your digital learning skills and your virtual training and facilitation skills? And we mm. separated them out in that way because, um, at, I mean, as you discuss on the podcast a lot, you know, digital learning is, um, is, is different. Right? It mm. is a different format of providing content resources that, uh, that people are very used to because of smartphones, because of apps on their phone and tablets and computers and what have you, um, which is different to, you know, can you deliver a one hour virtual training session, which is an engaging interactive session. Mm. So that scale of stuff was, was quite interesting where about 44% of people already had digital learning skills, mm. which is actually more than I thought it might be. Um, and 36% already had virtual training and facilitation skills. Mm. In terms of the shift then, um, another 21% had to learn digital learning skills. So that takes it up to about 65% of people uh, you know, having developed digital learning capability. And then another 49% had to learn virtual training and facilitation skills. Mm. So that takes that up to about just shy of about 85% of people um, who developed the capability to deliver virtually um, and facilitate virtually as well. I think that's interesting, right? Mm. So clearly people have recognized that this shift is, um, is significant, that they may have lacked the skills around how to do digital learning uh, creation, content creation, as well as how to deliver virtually, because if, they've, if they're in-person experienced, delivering it virtually is a whole other thing mm. so i think that's been it was an interesting finding coming out from that yeah in, in um conversations i've had over the last 12 months on there on the podcast it's been interesting to discuss the uh, the shift uh, from whether that be towards an agile mindset, um, which I which I discussed with uh, with Sarah Allen at, at, at AXA UK, um, and pretty much everybody who um, pivoted from their existing LD strategy or or, or tactical plan uh, or, or delivery of uh, of, uh, of their content uh, to one that was much more focused on the the pressing. Uh, concerns or the priorities of their organization moving quickly to supporting people with remote working and supporting yeah. managers with uh, with remote management uh, focus on well-being and so that pivot to align to what was um, a matter of urgency being experienced by vast numbers of people uh, certainly is a contrast to what we were doing previously which was um, providing programs and content as and when it was um uh, required 
but not really knowing what what the urgency was yeah um uh, and and really not perhaps even recognizing ourselves the urgency i, I speak on the podcast you i'm sure you've heard uh, about there being a a, a a real urgency around supporting new managers that i yeah. think that we were reluctant to fully acknowledge because we didn't have the capacity so us believing that if you attend at some time in the future then it would still be a huge benefit didn't really help the poor people who've been promoted into a position that they weren't capable they were perhaps not fully informed uh, right. of and uh, and therefore capable and so uh, we, we kind of um uh, absolved ourselves of, uh, of responsibility uh, and then and then with the with the same old mantras as we'd previously done uh, we say oh yeah but we can't do our job without line managers and i've got my own opinion about this oh do you know what? i'm gonna stick my oar in and, and uh, throw it out there i think yes. our, our our um our solutions in inverted commas are so uh, insubstantial that we require so much support from elsewhere um that um and so they're, they're so fragile and um and largely ineffective that we need so much more support uh, from others to make them, uh, you know, a modicum of uh, of, uh, of effective. Uh, whereas really what we've seen in recent months is learning and development with a clear mandate to support mm. um, uh, an organization and its, uh, and, and its individuals to adapt and given a crucial role in order to provide that support. Have I been fair or unfair or are you going to sit on the fence i love it I, oh you know me i don't sit on the fence David. i'll get stuck into this with you right so i think uh, you know so you raised some interesting points there about um the 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 highly urgent and relevant needs that uh, most organizations faced right so the, the key things were the, the very things you mentioned right um how do we support people working from home when for the majority of people, they've never had to do that. Mm. How do we support managers in managing a remote workforce when, again, you know, normally you see them face to face and you don't have to worry about whether or not they're remote on a full-time permanent, you know, indefinite basis and uh, the clear impact that there was on well-being. So across all of those, we saw that 55% um, of, uh, of, uh, of L&D increased their well-being offerings. Mm. 59% increase the support for managers um, uh, and uh, helping them to manage their remote workers. And 53% uh, increase the support for working from home and supporting people to adapt well. So some really nice strong figures there, you know, really nice strong figures about the, the, um, the clear need. It, when it was such a clear need about how to support people who were in in a, in a situation they couldn't have known they were ever going to need to be in. And so the response was there. And that's really good to see. So <laughs> I think to your point of, uh, you know, what does this say about programs that we've traditionally uh, led or designed before? We just, I, I think you're, I think you're, you're spot on. One, did we ever really understand what the proper needs were? And this is where the learning needs analysis really fails as a tool, because the learning needs analysis, even if you uh, avoid the, you know, here's a list of things, can you choose from this? Even if you go down the road of what are the things that are stuck that you need to fix, people will just give you a shopping list. Yeah. They don't really know what's going on. This is where other skills then become important around uh, you know, performance consultancy and actually just consult consultation right is mm. is just really understanding what's going on for you how can we help support that and 
having that conversation several times over, being able to draw in, right, what are the common themes and then what are the specific stuff? But what's the real need that's actually stopping? Like, what's the stuff that is getting in the way of uh, you being effective and performing well? A, a generic open management development program might be needed right across the organization. But in and of itself, it will be ineffective because you're not addressing the need that they have of performance of uh, performance management of their team. That's a different thing compared to, are we able to develop their coaching capability? Are we able to develop, you know, give them skills on how to have difficult conversations? Yes, they're important things, but they need to be really highly relevant in the context of what they're, they're trying to solve for. So we've seen here from the last year that LD can be responsive and then can be highly um, supportive towards an organization in making sure that it remains effective and the people are performing in a good way yeah i'm not i just i'm not convinced that we've we've had that same focus it's been a and it's been a real focus that we've had in the last year yeah it's focusing on that period of adaptation there was a burning platform uh, apologies of the you know the, the cliche there i think everyone yeah, will yeah. understand there was there was a clear reason to pivot to put everything else down that we were working on that perhaps wasn't urgent that that was what we would have uh, deemed important uh, but it wasn't urgent in in the context of which people are expected to perform, um, both individuals and managers uh, with, uh, with the responsibilities of their teams. You capitalize on, uh, on the genuine concern of people who didn't know how to perform at that level. All of a sudden engagement isn't, isn't an issue because people yeah. really do need that help. Um, and we're seeing a level of engagement, uh, and, but also, and also a swiftness in our response. So, so many things that we'd believed about our profession that, um, uh, that we weren't able to, to address the, the pressing concerns of everybody in our organization that that we are, aren't able to to move quickly that that things are faster that the that um uh were, were too expensive um as well because mm. uh of the the way that we've purchased learning and development solutions previously and that digital only ever really supplemented face-to-face -face. all of that had to go out the window we had to suspend those beliefs yeah. and actually uh, hustle to get real results and I think that within that hustle has been the real learning for for our profession but that leads me on um, to my next question because um, there hasn't just been a, a tactical um, or, or a, a response or a, a switch to a different delivery mechanism uh, there has there has been an emotional response to this as well as as people have identity wrapped up in, mm. in what they they do in learning and development and how they they add value as well as the um uh the 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 care and consideration they apply to to their approach and their and their toolkit i mean did that come out at all in the uh, the the research yeah uh, it's, it's a great question um it didn't come out directly, so mm. so so we didn't really um, ask any questions around what was the um, emotional impact on uh, on how on how this has affected you, your thinking, the way that you've approached the, your um, design or anything like that. Um, I think um, you know were, were I to look at this from a um, objective perspective, um, yeah, I think what what we've experienced over this last year, um, especially with all of the shift, is um uh, particularly within i think the uh, vendor space but also the um uh, kind of consultant space as well is you've got a lot of people who uh, who understand that there's a shift that needs to happen but the the reluctance to go there yeah. is is being huge you know they just because they their main efforts are around i deliver in person 
that's mm. my skill set. And although I may have had to make the shift to virtual, I don't like it. I don't want to do it. It's, you know, we can, and it's been a real just lift and shift approach. Mm. I'm just going to take what I did in person. I'll just do the same thing and I'll just do it digitally or virtually. And, you know, what, what we end up finding, and we hear this um, a lot through, you know, um, through different means, is that's just it's so ineffective, because yeah. they're not taking into account the uh, the way that we learn. Actually, you know, uh, the, the 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 science of learning isn't enacted. You know, it's more about the performance of learning which tends to come more from the trainers and the facilitators than it does uh, you know, the actual research in this space. Hmm. And what you've got to address there is the, the cult of personality. Look, I'm just going to cut yeah, straight yeah. through here that if, yeah. uh, if, if people believe that they have um, uh, what it takes for people to uh, not just um, understand concepts within, uh, uh, within a training room, but to uh, understand their applicability within their roles, transfer that, and then to permanently sustain uh, a different level of performance because of the personality and the style of the training. Yeah. I mean, you've got to challenge that ego. I mean, it's not true. I mean, I've, um, uh, you know, I've been in training right. rooms where, you know, you, you know, I, I, I see the phrase on, um, uh, on, on LinkedIn and I've heard it when, when, uh, learning development professionals will say uh, I love to see people develop and I always challenge that I said no no what what you're doing is you're seeing somebody understand a concept or relate that to their situation yes. you're not watching them develop what we've done is we've over egged that and I wonder whether our egos got uh, um, got in the way there so 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 a lot of what we believe about what we do and the impact that we have, even though, you know, we, we do caveat at the end of, uh, uh, of training uh, sessions that nothing will happen if you don't transfer, if you don't make the change, yeah. nothing will happen if the line manager doesn't do this, nothing will happen. You know, again, talking about the fragility and the ineffectiveness of a lot of, uh, of what yeah, is actually right. delivered. Um, what we've had to do is go back to the basics. And I think that's, you know, fundamentally what digital gives us the opportunity to do and what I think uh, a lot of uh, L&D leaders have done is relook at the value of learning and development and ask questions as to what is it that people now expected to do during this period of, uh, mm. of enormous disruption and how is it that L&D can um, help to, to guide and support that and how do we then use smart technology in order to do that rather than putting the cart before the horse which is often yeah. of course it's going to be a program it's likely to be something we've right. got already and we can supplement that with uh, with some e-learning or some uh, some content that we've already got which is you know which you, i always say it's, it's 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 looking for problems to solve with the solution that you bought before you understood what the problem were, was you know there's 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 all yeah. sorts of inherent um uh misconceptions uh within that um i don't know again whether whether that yeah. came out or uh in, in in the research or in your, in your interpretation of it well um in the uh open comment section we had a lot of people comment on because we asked questions around you know, how does how is this going to affect um the ongoing uh, perception of lnd hmm. and a lot of people commented on things like um it's actually made us more relevant Mm. Uh, because we've been able to provide solutions at the point of need. Um, people have said, you know, we've made the shift to digital because one, we were forced to, but it was a long time coming. Yeah. Um, you know, others were saying like, you know, that, um, that they've, they've had to go through an upskilling program themselves. And you go, this is so as awful as the pandemic has been 
uh, from a kind of health perspective, mm. from an organizational perspective, L&D organizational perspective, it's, uh, it's been the catalyst we probably needed to radically shift how we think about L&D at all. So I think that's maybe also something that this study can really help support with is decision-making in L&D. You know, you were talking there about the procurement side, about the program design side of stuff. Like a lot of these things are steeped in old practice. I have to buy a program. It has to look like this. The program must be, you know, two to three days. It has to have all of these kinds. And you're like, whoa, 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 hold on. How is that? What are we solving there? We're not solving a problem. We're just buying something that we can, that the procurement person can, uh, you know, that they can say, yes, that looks like it's a thing that we can sign off on, as opposed to, wait, there's discovery that needs to happen. There's genuine understanding and a real need here at play. How do we, you know, you know coming back to the thing around the agile methodology, how do we take an iterative approach to design thinking and to uh, product development? Because that's where, that's where solutions come from. Right, it's not um, you know the typical approach. I think this also gets a light shone on it in a very uncomfortable way for a lot of people. Is uh, you know I have this solution, can I come and sell it into your organisation? I mean, yes, you probably can try, but if it's not solving a real problem, then why would I buy it? Yeah, you know, and this is the, I think this is the problem of many vendors in the space at the minute, particularly vendors for whom you know not the tech solutions necessarily, or that's a whole other thing. Mm. Um, more so on the kind of people development side of stuff, is you've got many players in the market, and uh, what they're doing is they they're developing their own version of whatever the program is, thinking it's got some value to it. It probably does in some way, but does it solve the organizational need? That's a whole other question because the organizational yeah. need is often about the system and what L&D aren't often tackling is we're not tackling the system. We're just tackling, oh, I, I, you've got a management development requirement. I've got a program for you mm. as opposed to what is the system of management in the organization and how are we enabling our managers to do things in a great way, independent of L&D, independent of HR, that they can just fit, they can get on and do it themselves. That's a whole other. Uh, that's not even L and I mean, it is L and but it's not typical traditional L and yeah. It's where we need to move towards. So that's why I think some of this, um, the research that we've been carrying out, can really start to drive some of that. It gives an impetus to be able to say, yeah, we should have made this shift a long time ago. Mm. We've got data now to be able to support why we should make that shift and uh, what we can potentially achieve. Yeah, and as you said earlier, people saying that uh, that this has allowed them to make the shift that they wanted to make previously, yeah. I suppose, both from a, a, an effic efficacy perspective in their organisation, but also from a professional um, uh, capability perspective uh, for them as, uh, as individuals. Now, I'm going to ask you, um, Sook, to, uh, yeah. uh, to stand on that, um, uh, that research and offer us an opinion, because I'd like to know uh, <laughs> what you think about um, how... L&D will permanently change as a result of COVID and um, both the restrictions placed on um, uh, us as professionals and the expectations uh, of, of those we, we, we work for and support in our organisations. Uh, so um, uh, <laughs> uh, predicts. I, I, I love the question. <laughs> um, I don't think L&D is going to change radically. Mm. I, I, I think we are guilty of 
holding on to traditional ways of delivery. Mm-hmm. We're, st- we're still experiencing that now, even though we've just gone through all this conversation about how um, uh, you know, we've had to shift to digital and virtual and that there's better ways to be able to think about. I think once the restrictions are lifted, there are going to be a whole number of very happy trainers and facilitators out there and consultants. Let's get back into that classroom environment mm. because that's where I do my best work. Yeah. And we can bring people together and it's, it's going back to old practice. So I think we're going to have a real um, problem there in, in trying to shift that. At the same time, you're going to have um, business, uh, business leaders and managers who are also going to be thinking the same things. Mm. We're now back. We can now come back into the office. means we can bring people back together in a meeting room. Let's get some training going because yeah. that's where we know we can, or rather we think we add value to our teams. Like we give them engagement, we give them investment, and we do that by bringing them into a place. I, so uh, I'm unconvinced that we are going to see large scale change. Mm. I think that there are going to be some, and we probably have seen some of that already. <clears throat> I think there are some organizations who will take this in a very positive way and they'll really grab it by the horns and um, you know, completely look at how are they delivering digitally? How are they doing things in a way which helps people at the point of need, as opposed to a schedule on a, uh, calendar somewhere. Um, I think the the other main problem we're going to be facing is um, uh, is is vendors who were very focused on um, who are still focused on event based learning. Mm. Uh, even if even though quite a lot of vendors have had to shift from being in person to virtual, pretty much all of the solutions are still. I can deliver a workshop for you. I can deliver a webinar for you that's still a schedule, it's still a calendar of events, mm. as opposed to here's the content that we can make available and pathways of learning or curriculums of learning or whatever it needs to be, however we phrase it. I, so I, I'm, 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 I'm not convinced that we're gonna mm-hmm. see um, uh, such, such, uh, such a shift to more modern ways of practice. Mm. I think that once the restrictions Come, uh, come good and that we can get back into regular living whatever that starts to look like that uh, we're going to see just a return back to old practice I would hate to see a, a return to a much old practice but you know it, it, I think some of this also just what we haven't done is um, we haven't really questioned what's the purpose of the different things that we do yeah you know when we bring people together why do we bring people together like what's the like, what do people do incredibly well when they're brought back together? Mm. How can people learn digitally in a in a really um, powerful way? How does development happen in the organisation when you're not you're not driving that development? Like, there's some fundamental questions there which I don't think we've really been answering over this mm. last over this whole period. Yeah, I think I think you've got a point. I think the lure of uh, of getting things back to normal, uh, the expectations of stakeholders and employees, the clamour. Uh, to get people together yeah. and L&D's inability to truly analyze or, 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 or unwillingness to truly um, yes. uh, analyze performance and their inability to challenge will lead that down that path. Um, you know, it's, it's so funny. And I know this is a, this is an old trope. The, uh, the old, um, we want to seat at the table, um, but we are 
completely incapable of having a conversation about outcomes and uh, yeah, right. our stakeholders um, uh, in a way that will help them to achieve the outcomes that uh, that they're looking for. It's much more around, yeah, we can provide that thing that, uh, that you've just asked me for. And of course that's administration, that's not strategic leadership. So you don't invite your, right. you don't invite your administrators to the board table. Uh, they take, they might take some notes and they might help with uh, with some coordination, but they certainly aren't there to, uh, to, to make, um, to help influence decisions where decisions are made. Um, I think that uh, yeah. personally that the, um, that, that there will be change, but that the, the change is happening on the edges. I think that uh, yes. those um, L&D leaders uh, who have uh, grasped, the, grasped the mantle uh, and are having, uh, have, have seen this as an opportunity to now bring about real change in their organization to help people with what the real priorities are that got their voices heard where, where they could make a critical difference are yeah. still there and will stay there. And I also think that there are um, there are people who are on the vendor side who have looked at this and have seen the opportunity beyond what is usually what what's usually delivered. You know, beyond the yeah. um, uh, engaging, interactive e-learning. You know that 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 people of the same mm -hmm. mind can't possibly uh, resist because it's so entertaining. I mean, right. all of that rubbish. Like um, I think has been has been challenged on a fundamental level because get left to their own devices and not given uh, any other training as an option. A lot of that stuff is still ignored because it doesn't solve the problem. It still treats adults <laughs> like children, and that that um, that all they need is uh, is flashing lights and something um, entertaining in order to distract them long enough uh, to you know. And then and then goes back to what you were saying before. Right. Once we've got their attention, we use pseudoscience to you know to. To, to peddle beliefs or, or um, uh, exacerbate beliefs that we have around our ability to transform behavior and sustain that over, uh, uh, over, over a period of time, which of course is, uh, yeah. uh, is mythology rather than, uh, rather than too much else. But on the edges, there are people looking and thinking, you know, you know we've only got to look at um, uh, what Microsoft are doing um, mm. with, uh, with Viva and saying, we're going we're to integrate learning and the work you know yeah. this is going to happen where this is at work and of course where we've been with uh, with loop for quite some time about making uh, you know eradicating the administration uh, of uh, a lot of learning and development to automate it so that that you can get closer right. faster uh, and smarter uh, to uh, to the work and the the concerns that people are having so so all of this is happening on the edges while everyone else is going you know papering over the craps it's cracks which is it's boom time for lmss and lxps and content providers because that's all you've got yeah. and of course without analysis anything will do but i think that we will see a rise and it will come from the edges but unless you know my own personal view is unless lnd are, are investing in their own digital capability then either the smart technology will replace a lot of those roles yeah. or a new skill set's going to be expected um, and, and brought into learning and development, which I'm seeing a lot and replacing uh, the old skill sets because, uh, because regardless of the investment, we just can't prove the effectiveness uh, of, uh, of what is, uh, what is delivered and offered. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a really uh, nice bit of thinking there from you and just to probably, um, uh, highlight that with an example. Mm. So, uh, if I look at uh, Mural and or Miro as uh, um, as digital tools, mm. so these are really really great digital collaboration tools, which allow for 
yeah, asynchronous working um, and synchronous working, right? So people can work on things at the same time or they can work on things independently of each other. Developed um, for collaborative purposes, not developed by L&D, mm. right? These aren't L&D products, but what they've really highlighted is that you can bring people together in a virtual format and have a really great collaborative design experience. Traditionally, people would say, I have to have them in a room to do that though. Mm. I have to be able to use the wall. I've got to put my post-its up. I've got to put my posters. They're going to have the pens out. They're going to, we're going to do all sorts of really great interactive stuff. Digitally, it's all there. It is incredible. And these tools are incredibly powerful. What it does though is, it, and I think this comes to the pseudoscience thing, right? It, it highlights that the skills of, um, of, of many in the L&D space are still focused on if I'm not the one, like you, like you say, it's the ego stuff. Mm. If I'm not the one who's driving that development or that kind of collaborative experience, then I'm, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose my job. Mm. Yeah, maybe not. That's not actually the right way to. That's not. I don't think that's the right equation. Yeah, there's there's tools and there's things being developed out there, which are already in play. We don't have to wait until, um, you know, we, or rather, we don't have to wait for new technology to come around we can make really good use of this, the, the tech that is already available. Hmm. And I'd like to get your opinion, uh, so because mm. we, we, we extrapolate this out uh, yeah. beyond uh, the end of, uh, of restrictions and, uh, uh, and the, the impact of COVID, that, that the, um, the UK report, Industrial Skills Council report on, uh, uh, on the skills gap and the yeah. match uh, of the the skills required in the workplace in 2030 uh, considering uh, I, you know, I, I had a long conversation with, uh, with Simon Gibson on the podcast a, uh, a few episodes back. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's believed now that the 80% of the workforce of 2030 are already in the workforce right now. And we already see, we already see a skills gap, but there's going to be uh, a, a real urgency and, uh, and a palpable mm-hmm. uh, deficit in skills around uh, basics of digital around leadership and management around stem uh, and um surprisingly or not unsurprisingly uh, in teaching and training uh, it's yeah. going to be believed that there is going to be a, a deficit of around eight hundred thousand people now you know there is a massive difference between teaching and training you might look at uh, some corporate classrooms and not think yeah. that there is but the role of teaching isn't to prepare people for work like academia and this you know this has been a um, uh, an ongoing uh, conversation for many many years but academia isn't preparing people for uh, for work they're they're preparing people for life so yes. the role the yeah. role is lands with learning and development or not if learning and development still want to palm it off to, to anybody else um, <laughs> you know because because of the fragility of the way that we like to deliver our solutions anyway it's a different bugbear there is a deficit in learning and development and will then that will grow uh, because it is deemed that our profession are not equipped in order to close that skills gap. I mean, what, what, I mean, it, it, it does build on what we've been talking about here. And especially if, uh, if L and D really does want to, um, uh, uh, are drawn more to, to, to return into old ways without, without challenge. I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> one, that's a, that's a brutal outlook, right? <laughs> it's, mm. It is in your face. L&D are not equipped to deliver the skills of the future, that is brutal. Because mm. that, that really does call into question, what is the value of all of these programs that we're putting out there? Yeah. 
because if if and you know we and the, the leadership and management market right now is already worth a ridiculous amount of money yeah we're talking hundreds of billions yeah right and it's i mean i mean <laughs> just to think about the numbers there are just phenomenal um you know when i when i uh, learn when i hear about how business schools are charging for their academics to uh, you know do a one week a standard one week just normal delivery nine to five five days a week right and, and they're not doing anything to upskill mm-hmm. it's just delivery of content it really calls into question um some important stuff about how how does lnd understand what skills are meant to look like in in respect of productivity mm. we don't i don't think we really understand productivity i don't think we really understand what skills development of the future looks like mm. You know, if we are, you know, so to the point around STEM and digital, you know, if, uh, so we know that they are um, under uh, underdeveloped skills and that there's a huge need for the, in the next 10 years. How, and what's LND's role in that is potentially to uh, bring an organization to that space and say, how are we as an organization gonna take leadership in this space? And there are very good ways to do that. You know, years gone by, it used to be through apprenticeship schemes that you would bring in a whole new raft of people and grow them through the organization. We know that these days apprenticeships are less and less. They're just not a, they're just not a big factor. We know that the apprenticeship levy, as I know Simon and you spoke about previously, is a hugely underutilized space. It's a bad program. It's not an easy one to make good use of. Outside of that, though, we have, I think the opportunity there for L&D is huge. But we really need to understand what it means to develop skills, Mm. because it's it's not the traditional stuff that we're used to. It's not about programs of, you know, three days, four days, or what have you. It's proper long-term development-based thinking. Mm. We let go of that a long time ago. I don't know if we ever were there, actually. I think more so the apprenticeship providers were probably better in that space than we've been. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one because I, and I think back to, you know, I used to do work for, on behalf of Ford Motor Company, they would have a raft of apprentices come through 80 to 100 a year. Uh, th- that was low for them. That was This was in the um, um, mid-2008, 2007 period. You know, in their height, they were having hundreds of apprentices coming through your programs um, for them, uh, you know, in the manufacturing space. In today's space, I couldn't even tell you what, what numbers we would need in order to be able to get to that level of digital upskilling, STEM requirements that we need within the organisations. We've got a lot of work to do. We really have. I think it's important to acknowledge as well is um, acknowledge what's got us into this mess. I, I mean, yeah. things have changed, and uh, let, you know, to acknowledge that that uh, the pace of change uh, in uh, business with technology, you, you, with 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 everything, has uh, is, has been uh, exponential in the next uh, in the last ten years. Yes. But it's going to get faster in the next ten. If we look and see what's got us here with the skills deficit, is an over reliance on uh, on uh, programmatic and event based learning, yeah. and also on um, silver bullets. Um, systems uh, we're filled with 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 a lot of content whether it's tagged or not 
what this comes down to is if we're buying solutions without fully understanding the problems and the context in which people are expected to perform uh, and where their their roles are actually going mm-hmm. then we will find ourselves in a worse position now what i mean by that is l&d will be in a worse position business will move forward without yeah. us. Um, yeah, right. and i think that that this is where we leave ourselves open to disruption because uh, the smarter the technology gets in order to help to uh, understand what it is that people are trying to do and help to plug that gap mm. not with generic uh, solutions but you know there, there's software out there now uh, that can help that can write bespoke content uh, that pulls information from from a lot of different sources so we're not far from from yeah. ai running the show for us then you've got to take a look and see what the value is but i i i think there's every opportunity that lnd will will find themselves without a seat not just a seat at the table without a seat in an organization i wonder how that passed them by and i think it's because they still expected to transform organizations 12 people at a time or even one hour at a time on virtual yeah. classrooms because they were so much uh, far more obsessed with delivery and content that they completely didn't look at performance and results yeah, I, I, I'm completely with you on this, right? It's uh, we've got a lot of learning to do in this space about how do we, you know, how do we upskill ourselves so that we can better understand, you know, what, what does it mean that um, for, or rather, what are the products and services that an organisation are developing? Mm. How do we enable the organisation to do that better? That's a different question to what are your learning needs. And how do we how do we deliver on those? Mm. Because the the day to day stuff are the products and services that people are invested in. The day to day stuff is not the learning needs stuff. Mm. That's that's a meta level of stuff which most people just aren't even bothered about. Mm. Um, yeah, and and the the skill set required to do these, um, you know, we've got the uh, we've got the education kind of framework to be able to help us we're just not taking advantage of them you know david no. i think that's the problem right yeah. is we're just we're, we're we're very focused on i'm skilled in what i do i don't need to worry about what other skill sets need to be looked at so for example coding as a as, as an as an example it's going to be more of a thing most of us in this space will need to have at least some understanding of what is the capability of coding if not how to do coding itself mm. because that's just the way that the world is like we're already there, you know, when, um, you know, several, uh, several years ago, when Apple decided to let go of, uh, you know, one of their biggest contractors who were 60,000 plus coders or engineers, that's a huge signal as to where was the, where was the skill set already needed? Mm. What are we doing in this space? We're delivering programs on how to improve your communication skills and how to deliver, you know, how to be more effect, uh, assertive. I mean, yes, they are they're good to have, but they are not the key skills that people need to be able to be more productive. So um, as we look to, to wrap up, Sook, um, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd hate for anybody to, to, to come to the end of this and think that we're just doom mongering because I do still <laughs> think that, uh, that, that what people should take a look at here is that there is a huge opportunity. Yes. I mean, L and D isn't being supplanted right now. Um, if we carry on the way that we are and the skills gap <laughs> continues to increase, there's absolutely no chance that people are going to be looking and thinking that's the function that's going to turn this, uh, this problem yeah. around, but there is an opportunity if we are, if we're willing to take it, what advice would you give to the listener? If they're thinking perhaps that they're a little unsettled by the conversation we've just had, yeah. but want the, the, 
that believe that there is a, that there's cause for optimism what 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 advice would you give um i i think it i um it's, it's a good question uh, and i apologize for the stuttering there it's uh i think one of the things that we don't do often enough is just talk to our, our own business leaders mm. there are people already in the organization who will be able to point you towards this is what we need to do mm. so if you are looking to develop um, more understanding of well what is it that the actual needs are of the organization talk to the people who are already there yeah. they can tell you readily what their problems are you don't have to go on a course you don't have to go on a program you don't have to go through some kind of deep upskilling in these in these areas honestly it's just about going to the marketing director and saying what what's your plan for the next year mm. how are you going how are we going to bring people to this organization and what are we selling to them what can we do more in that space go to your product leaders and say or the service leaders and say what are your challenges over the next year how are we how are you planning on using the workforce to get through that mm. what is it that we need that you need from me in nnd to be able to help you to achieve that Th these are ready conversations that you can have tomorrow the day after and they will yield such insight that it's going to you, you will automatically find yourself involved in um a different level of conversation mm. um and then um there there probably there are programs out there to help you to think about like you know if i want to go through professional development seek them out right there's some good stuff out there about performance consulting about business partnering uh, go, go learn about those types mm. of skills because they are good skills to have yeah, it's uh, yeah. Have have business conversations and don't be afraid to have conversations that um, fall outside the bounds of learning and yeah, right. far more into the gritty day to day of uh, what it is that people are expected to do. Stay close to where people are expected to adapt. Gen you know, capitalize yeah. on genuine concern rather than necessarily trying to um, generate it. Um, thank you very much, Sook. If people wish to follow your work or connect with you, how can they do so? Yeah, happy for anyone to do that. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Sukminda Pabial. Uh, you can hit me up on my website, challengingfrontiers.com, uh, or you can catch me over on Twitter at Sukpabial. Wonderful. We'll put the, uh, the links in the show notes. But what's left for me to say is uh, thank you very much, Suk, for being a guest on the Learning and Development Podcast. Thank you for having me back. Appreciate it. So it seems our profession has made progress in incredibly challenging circumstances in recent months, but that the lure of events over outcomes may be just around the corner. So let's stay mindful of the conversations we need to have around performance and results before seeking solutions. Now, whether that be back in classrooms or with the next shiny new platform, there will be no substitute for developing our own capability where we're going. If you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning and connect on LinkedIn, for which you'll find the links in the show notes. And goodbye for now. <laughs>